you know, at the moment I can go on to, uh, let's say Tesco, and I can pick the food and veg I want to want to buy, but why not make it a walkthrough of each aisle? Why not make it a little bit more interactive? That would probably increase upsell, and you'd probably start buying more things that you didn't have on your shopping list because you're walking through a store. TikTok has removed a lot of the friction to purchase in some geos uh, by letting you check out within the TikTok app itself, where TikTok processes the payments and even ships your order. Uh, to you as they have fulfillment centers. Influencer marketing isn't just about big names and celebrities on Insta and TikTok. You know, they might have armies of followers, but kind of the engagement levels can be a bit challenging. I go onto Amazon to buy something because I need it really quickly, or I just, you know, you know what you need and they know, you'll know you'll get it on Amazon. And the first kind of four rows of things that you can purchase are all sponsored. I never really know where am I buying things from on Amazon anymore. You know, there isn't an industry that isn't being fueled by AI at the moment, whether that's, you know, EdTech green tech health tech just put a tech at the end and um, i'm sure that it's ai that's fueling it in 2023 i think it's all about reducing friction especially if we're in a recession big tech will be trying harder to get every dollar from you at the end of 2023 who or what will i be reporting into or will i have a job at all Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Disconnected. Um, Obviously not Jag Sharma. He is still out there learning web development. If you listen to last week's podcast, then you'll know what that's about. Um, But joining me today, we have our co-hosts, Jason Kapadia and Karis Mar is back. Hi, guys. Hello. Good to be back. I'm feeling quite disconnected from Jag, you know, being away (laughs) for two episodes. I know. Who knows if he'll make a comeback in 2023. Maybe he's gone for good. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at the end of the year. I think it's quite a privilege, really, that I am back for a one-off episode for a little while, but also to do our end-of-year pod. And I know last week we covered a lot of what's happened in this year, in 2022, and this week we are going to focus more on 2023. So good to get a few other uh, opinions on kind of trends that are upcoming and kind of round off the year. So we'll get right into it um, and we'll try and keep it short but sweet and very informative. And Karis, you're back and you're here to start us off with some updates on what you think is going to happen with influencers next year. Oh, yes. Well, I thought I'd I'd talk about influencers because I'm doing a lot with influencer marketing at the moment. So um, I'm in the Middle East, as you all know, and I think it's a region where influencers are are a very strong and powerful marketing tool. What what we're seeing, certainly here and I think globally, is that, you know, influencer marketing isn't just about big names and celebrities on Insta and TikTok. You know, they might have armies of followers, but kind of the engagement levels can be a bit challenging and I think also certainly something we've been grappling with is the issues around reputation and brand association and yeah I was thinking thinking about it earlier about you know you've got some real headlines from this year around Adidas and Kanye where you know that association has been a nightmare but you know inevitably it still remains a really strong marketing tactic but I think brands are probably in next year going to move away from this kind of spray and pay approach and actually I think that's kind of coupled with consumers demanding more authenticity and relatability and so this kind of rise of the nano and micro influences is becoming much stronger and I'm certainly seeing it in some of the work that we're doing and what's interesting is obviously they are influences with you know 1,000 to 10,000 followers or in the microspace, 10 to 50,000 followers. But some of the things that we're starting to see is the engagement levels are so much higher, which in, in reality makes a lot of sense because it means that 
you know, they're delivering content in an authentic way. They're loyal to their audience audiences and they talk about what their, their audiences care about. And they're not afraid of showing their more human side, which is often a bit more fabricated when you're looking at the larger influencers. From some of the research I've done, it's shown that, you know, there's about 3.69% increase in engagement of those micro-influencers, which is obviously um, pretty key when you're you're working on campaigns. And for me, I was thinking about it, it's, it's so much about relevance. You know, when you take a mass market product, if you could then use smaller micro influences you'll be you're able to do a much more kind of targeted segmented strategy in an efficient way and identify those nuances of the audiences and uh, find those right influences to align with those uh, you know the the brand and their values and then interestingly you know I I read a stat around uh, 54% of young Americans are wanting to be influencers moving forward Uh, so um, it made me kind of think and wonder about whether our feeds are going to be full of our friends and connections all promoting brands in the uh, next year and and the years ahead and, and it's everyone just becoming like the modern day door to door salesman if you like um it's just delivered through our through our um uh social feeds yeah i'm really interested in this i think as soon as you spoke about it when we were talking about it during the week it really reminisced with like 2012 and ugc being kind of the focus you know <laughs> paying smaller amounts for content from dare I say nobodies um and so (laughs) that kind of it's kind of going back to that isn't it it's coming back around full circle a little Mm. bit there is nothing that annoys me more than some of the kind of b c d uh, list celebrities that I follow who will go from selling I don't know washing up liquid one minute to diamonds the next minute and it just is so unauthentic and it's just drives you mad you end up clicking past it so I do see why it's really appealing I guess for me the reach is an interesting one the engagement might be high but is your reach as far as you want it to go and it comes down to having the right strategies in place and I think more and more brand teams and marketing teams are having to work hand in hand to set a strategy of you know are we going mass or are we going a little bit more niche and selling volume to loyal fans versus kind of trying to get acquisition and new and new fans in so I think it's a really interesting one I'll be yeah. keen to see whether you become a nano influencer over the next 12 months see what you might sell to us <laughs> well it's funny you should say that I definitely won't be but I do see um you know a few people that I follow who was who they're not necessarily selling yet but you can see that they're on a trajectory of trying to increase their <laughs> followers to get to the point that they're going that they're going to be able to um uh, make some you know monetize it make some money off it in some way and I'm like oh it's all becoming a bit contrived (laughs) actually my wife is a foodie influencer and has around 10,000 followers on her Instagram and she gets approached by all these brands and it's 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 very targeted like you said in terms of the the niche of of the products that they're trying to sell and they're really trying to make it as organic as possible but for the brand itself the brands pay around 100 pounds for a post or a reel or a story and they could either give a freebie or the cash to the uh, creators and uh, they, they actually get a really nice kind of organic story 
for the the actual audience there but yeah it's all down to the actual creator itself that how organic can they make it look because uh you know you see some that are just completely like this is just an ad you know this doesn't match any of my content uh or you know the the the, the clever creators you know really try to sneak it in to their their content and really try to make it as organic as possible but again you know for the brands itself sometimes you know managing so many different nano uh, influencers and creators obviously takes a long time and a lot of mm. effort to manage each one and look at all their submissions, etc. But if you maybe then contrast how much content they get out of their pounds spent, uh, it can be a lot more. Um, it just obviously takes a lot, you know, more effort from the from the marketing department. Yeah, I, I wonder if uh, you know. In in theory, it sounds, or, or in theory or strategy, it sounds great, and then in the execution, it becomes almost unmanageable. You've probably got some poor, poor social media manager, like uh, being broken by the volume of um, nano influencers they're managing and the content that's coming through. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't want to become a salesperson though, so uh, you won't you won't be seeing it. <laughs> you won't be seeing it from me. Don't contact you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, it needs quite nicely, actually, because I guess to the point of do we need one person to look at the content and be approving it and things like that? You know, AI is going to make a massive increase next year, and especially AI in marketing. So, Carol, this is another piece that you've kind of been touching on. So maybe you want to take us through what you think is going to happen in that sphere next year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's such a huge topic and a scratch the surface with my kind of limited knowledge. But obviously, AI is just um, talked about everywhere uh, you know certainly this year and will be will be as we go into 2023 and beyond of course and you know there isn't an industry that isn't being fueled by AI at the moment whether that's you know ed tech green tech health tech just put a tech at the end and um, I'm sure that it's AI that's fueling it but of course you know we see it in our industry as well with um, generative AI in marketing tech, martech and ad tech, whether that be for content or UI design and creation, which is really about alleviating the resource intensive parts of marketing, essentially. So I was kind of looking at some of the different areas that AI could step in and uh, and make it more efficient. And so, you know, producing better content in a more efficient way. Some things can be the content creation, whether, you know, AI powered content generators such as OpenAIs, the GPT-3 and Jasper, you know, are writing assistants that create human style copy in seconds. I'm telling you, I would love that right here because I'm having a right challenge with the uh, English and Arabic translations of everything that we're doing. Uh, someone could alleviate that pressure. That would be fantastic. There's the SEO optimization, you know, making it easier to create top ranking words and improve organic traffic. And then one that kind of ties back to our previous uh, subject, AI for matching brands with influencers. So, you know, as we just said, it can be challenging to get that that um, connection for the right brand and the right influencer. So AI powered brand influencer matchmaking systems might be created to find those right ambassadors uh, and create beneficial partnerships between brands and influencers. And the lastly, the, the the last one I'm going to touch upon is um, you know AI for creating virtual influences, and I think we talked about this very subject in many episodes yeah. ago. But you know we're seeing brands create virtual influences in the absence of maybe being able to find the right ones to uh, the real ones to um, support their objectives, um, and obviously AI is is fueling those virtual influences. And so I think you know 
we've had a lot of uh, narrative around chat GPT in the last week. I don't profess to be an expert on it at all, but um, there's been lots of um, questions being thrown around about how big it will be, what role it will play in um, being disruptive for customer service or content creation or e-commerce and it being this kind of natural language. So got me thinking about at the end of 2023, who or what will I be reporting into or will I have a job at all? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things that in every industry people worry, you know, the robots are coming, Um, someone's (laughs) going to take your roles. I I was actually reading a lot about it this week (laughs) just because of this podcast because obviously I'm not working at the moment so I've been a little bit out of touch for the last few months. Every time I speak to clients over the last couple of years, I work for a copywriting agency. I can't help you with Arabic, I'm afraid, Karen. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> if it's Chinese, then yes, but no. Um, and a lot of people always say, you know, oh, we'll just use Google Translate. Yeah. We'll just use a translation tool or whatever it is. And people ask me whether I get worried whether that's going to take over what we do. And I'm totally not worried about it. Like, I think it's great if I can get some sort of AI who can do a first draft and we can add brand talk to it or they can come up with ideas. You know, there comes a time where you work for a brand for a long time where it's good to get a new idea from somewhere else without losing a client to another agency. So if I can use a tool that might come up with a topic that we can talk about, I'll be totally open about it with clients and say, you know, this is what we're doing. And it's kind of, you know, we have our writers that come up with one idea. We also have a tool that takes that idea and comes up with three other ones. You get the efficiency of cost because you don't have to pay for a writer to sit down for four hours thinking up a concept. And we get another take on an idea that we're already working with. We will always have to come back and tweak copy. We will always have to add brand tone, a voice. We'll always have to look at what's worked previously and apply the kind of analytics to it if we're talking about CRM and emails. And so I think if I can get to the end of 2023 and there's a really nice balance between getting ideas from from AI or getting a first translation that we can then tweak if it's really becoming efficient, then I'm all open to it. And I don't think it's a worry for me in terms of the agency losing business. I think if anything, we should gain more clients because we should be able to take on more work because some of it gets taken away from us, but it won't impact the quality of the work we deliver. And I don't think it will impact the roles we have. I don't think we'll be losing people in the team or anything like that either. So we have to do multiple languages, not just... Um... Arabic and English. <laughs> so we've now got a challenge where we've managed to get Urdu uh, and Tugala written, but we've got no idea if it's accurate or not, <laughs> um, and no one to approve yeah. it. So, um, yeah, translation of content is always a, a challenge, and I think everyone here would be um, delighted to find a solution that they had confidence in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also leads quite nicely onto um, physical and digital coming closer together. And I don't think this is a trend for 2023 necessarily, but more of um, an evolution. And I know we've spoken about a couple of things already in this sphere, especially with autonomous driving and that sort of stuff. But there are a couple of areas I wanted to touch on that I'm going to be looking forward to or kind of keeping a close eye on in the next year. And I think the first one comes down to internal communications. So as I said before, I work in an agency, we do a lot of copy and content creation um, and we work for a lot of internal marketing teams and actually what I was quite interested in there's a Forbes article um, that was talking a bit more about onboarding and training and how employee engagement can be increased over the next kind of 12 months with the use of lots of different digital tools that are coming out 
And one of the reasons this is most interesting to me is because just before I went off on mat leave, we were talking to one of the large banks about their onboarding process and how it's not very good. Basically, the bank is too large, the HR team are too occupied, um, and they don't do a great de- job of getting people on board. And so they were looking for new tools. And the first thing everyone comes down to is, okay, let's look at what presentations you have. How do we make them more interactive? You know, we can create digital PDFs, that sort of stuff. We can make you an intranet, like a few web pages. But realistically, if we could go a little bit further and we could have things like avatars or a training bot who can kind of go to each new onboarding staff member and say, "Okay, what do you know already? What don't you know already? You know, where have you come from? Are you in the industry? Are you not in the industry? And really tailor people's onboarding and communications that they get from their new employer. I think they'll come out of the end of the first month of starting with a company with a much more positive outlook rather than all the generic content you get. And some companies do it really well. You know, you can do face to face training, you can do lots of documents that you read, but none of it's tailored. And I think the more tailors you can get with internal comms, the better the comms that those teams will create to push out to external and to kind of B2B, B2C marketing as well. So that is one area I'm super interested in. And the other one is digital twins. And I know this is something, again, we've spoken about, you know, virtual simulations and taking real world testing and put it into a virtual world to really look at scenarios, you know, F1 cars do it already, weather predictions already do it and product development. But I think, you know, with things like 3D printing and digital twins becoming a lot more a lot more focused and the output of them being a lot higher, I think over the next 12 months, it'll be really interesting to see any areas of improvement in areas that aren't specifically, you know, they don't have to be product development or they don't have to be logistics, which seems to be what it used for quite a lot at the moment, but it could be in our day-to-day lives. And actually why this came up was because I'm looking to move flat and I was looking at rental and, you know, now you get a lot of walkthroughs. So rather than just having flat 2D images, you do get 3D images of the places you're looking at. Why not take it a step further? You know, if you're going to be going on a holiday and you want to see an experience, you might look at somebody's video of that experience and think, oh, yeah, that's great. But could we get 3D models that don't involve headgear because I'm not a virtual reality (laughs) nerd and I don't have of headgear to you. So I think over the next 12 months, it'd be good to see how that kind of modeling becomes a lot more mainstream and used in a lot more areas. You know, at the moment I can go on to, uh, let's say Tesco, and I can pick the fruit and veg I want to buy, but why not make it a walkthrough of each aisle? Why not make it a little bit more interactive? That would probably increase upsell and you'd probably start buying more things that you didn't have on your shopping list because you're walking through a store. And so I think things like that will be really interesting. I don't know if you guys have looked at it, if there's any sort of digital twins you're looking forward to seeing in the next 12 months. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes in the next 12 months. I think, you know, I'd like to see it accelerate quite a lot and actually be in areas that provide real utility. The couple of kind of brands that I've delved into to experience their metaverse experiences, I looked at HSBC in the UAE where they'd created a wellness hub or something. For me, it was quite an underwhelming experience. It didn't deliver anything that um, added me any value, both in terms of its proposition, but also its execution. And for me, like as you're talking about onboarding journeys or holidays or shopping experiences, great. They provide real utility and actually really enhance it. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it being part of organizations' business model, not just an innovation fad that they're trying to tick, because then it becomes really interesting to me. And I think hopefully we'll start to see that um, in, in the year ahead. 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, the shopping one's a real interesting one for me, mainly because in Asia, shopper marketing doesn't really exist. You have kind of, like when I left the UK, shopper marketing was its whole kind of own industry (laughs) and it kind of sat alongside experiential and brand. Yeah, exactly. It's own discipline. And here it doesn't really exist. It sits within the brand team. And I think that it loses its way. The experience is really not great um, in the physical world, never mind the digital world. So we are like eons behind where everyone else should be. It'd be good to see if we can get some kind of, I don't know, experiences out from the US or from the UK or even from Australia um, and see, you know, what's going to come from there and what we can take on board. And I guess commerce is in, it's always evolving. Um, And Jason, you know, social e-commerce was a point you were thinking about next year is going to be huge. Definitely. Well, have you guys ever seen an advert for anything on social media, like Instagram and purchased it? I got suckered into uh, buying an amazing looking toilet brush of all things. It turned out to be (laughs) pretty naff at the end of it. What makes an amazing toilet brush out of interest? (laughs) It just looks so slick. I've never seen one that looks (laughs) so amazing. Um, It does look very pretty, but it doesn't clean well. Um, but like usually you're redirected to some kind of third party site. And if it's a seller that you haven't bought from before, you know, you have to go through the whole onboarding journey and entering all your details to check out. And TikTok has removed a lot of the friction to purchase in some geos uh, by letting you check out within the TikTok app itself, where TikTok processes the payments and even ships your order to you as they have fulfillment centers. Uh, so they can control the whole experience uh, and this seems to be taken off. And also this has caught the eye of the largest online retailer and they want their bit of the pie because um, Amazon is launching a new Inspire feature of continuous reels of photos and videos to showcase its products to customers and they're trying to mimic the success of TikTok that they've had in social commerce. And what's good here is that Amazon actually knows your purchase history and browsing history. So the feed will be tailored to your interest and probably using some of the AI you're talking about, Jen. But when you when you look at TikTok, I mean, it, it, it knows things that you like, but not necessarily that you want to buy. Uh, so that this is where Amazon potentially has a bit of an advantage. But And users can actually even like a product, uh, like a real and stuff like that. And I've seen AliExpress doing something similar like this and uh, global uh, social Commerce sales are expected to be about 1.2 trillion in 2025, uh, up from 492 billion in uh, 2021. And in 2023, it's predicted that half of social media users are expected to make a purchase. So in 2023, I think it's all about reducing friction, especially if we're in a recession. Big tech will be trying harder to get every dollar from you. Uh, Have you guys bought anything from social media sites? I have. I get sucked into it like you. There's things I've bought a bag, a beach bag before from Instagram. Um, so I do, I do get sucked into it. And there are some ads I actually don't mind watching because it's stuff that I actually quite like and could go on to purchase. I may maybe not do it through the platform, but afterwards I might go looking for it again. So I am one of those people. But it's interesting because we speak a lot, especially since the beginning of this year, about how Facebook isn't a platform people want to use anymore because it's become so ad heavy um, and it's so tailored by the algorithm to show you things that you didn't necessarily follow in the first place. And Amazon actually now really annoys me. I go onto Amazon to buy something because I need it really quickly or I just, you know, you know what you need and they know, you'll know you'll get it on Amazon. And the first kind of four rows of things that you can purchase are all sponsored. And so 
I never really know where am I buying things from on Amazon anymore? Is it just a reseller of other shops and, you know, it's done through ad sale or through media revenue? Or am I still able to make purchases on Amazon in the same way I used to? I actually don't know the answer to that and I probably should. Um, so I worry that if social becomes the same, are you just going to end up with a lot of sponsored content or ads and you're going to end up falling out of love with the platform because it's not there being used for what you want it for? Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big shopper um, on social. We have delivery challenges and all sorts over here. But I think I, much to your point, really, Jen, I start to be cynical about actually where I'm buying from. Uh, the number of things that I've purchased from Amazon, and then I discover I've got a month till it arrives from the US when I thought I was actually buying it from Amazon. Um, and, uh, you know, I've only really recognised that when I've gone to check where my order is. So, uh, but I think, I mean, as you say, I think it's only going to increase in the year ahead. I think it's kind of semi-dangerous for everyone that's scrolling through and, uh, you know, needs little temptation. And before we know it, we'll all be, you know, just uh, hitting pay now and um, a bit like the... Was it drunk shopping, online shopping, where everyone ends up with the um, <laughs> with the random purchases? Um, it'll probably just increase, but maybe maybe as you know, people are cutting out the superfluous spending in the cost of living crisis. Maybe that might might be everyone's safety check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll either go one or two ways, won't it? You'll either be one of those people that buys everything and you've got a house full of crap, yeah. or you're one of those people that gets annoyed with the ads and drop off the platform. So. We'll see whether all the social channels still exist or if people have <laughs> stopped using them because they've got annoyed with the spend that they were going through on there for retail. Yeah, well, they're all definitely pushing the revenue agenda at the moment, aren't they? Um, so uh, tough times. So I suspect we'll only see more of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, that's great. I think that's covered some of our top topics and top trends for next year. Obviously, there are millions out there. And I'm sure a quick Google will send you up with about 15 different articles, but we can link some of the stuff we've spoken about. I think they're quite personal to the work we do. So keen to hear uh, from any listeners, if there's anything else we should be watching out for, we'll write them down. And over the next 12 months, I think we'll really keep an eye on what we spoke about. And maybe we'll have a check in at some point next year to see whether any of these things have come to fruition or if we're still talking about AI having potential and not getting anywhere in six months time (laughs) it's an interesting point because when uh, doing a bit of research there was an article that I saw about trends from 2022 and are they still relevant most of them hadn't come to fruition so I suspect we'll probably be talking about many of these in um, six to 12 months time again yeah definitely all right well thank you guys all the information will be in the show notes and thank you everyone for listening have a wonderful christmas and new year and we will be back in the new year with more episodes of disconnected 